like the Reds, they have their walk-up music. That was my walk-up music. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'm going to choose my own walk-up music next time, though. It's going to be something like, you know, Run DMC. I don't know. It's tricky. I'm not sure what it'll be, but, like, there's a lot of uh, good, good music. Hey, guys, glad you guys are here today. Um, this uh, past uh, week ago, Thursday, I went over to visit Mr. Niederman. Uh, if you all know Mr. Niederman, he comes in, sits right over here, has his cane, you know, comes in. We've been good friends for a long time. And I went into his house and we sat down and and uh, we just talked for a while and prayed together. And and, uh, and 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 we read scripture together there at his table. And this is one of the scriptures that we read together. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know the Lord is God, that he is it is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. How many of you know that's the message we need when we're in our 80s? And a message we need when we're 8? We're going to enter the Lord, enter the place with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Because God is faithful. And I, I want to pray for us today as we get started, because I think we need a, a reminder that God is still on the throne, that God is good, and that God loves us. God, we thank you so much for your scripture that recenters us, it recalibrates our life. That's why we're here today, God, because we need a reminder about what's most important in this world. We need to know that we're not the only generation that has faced difficulty or challenges, God. It, we're not alone in this, uh, this struggle that happens in this world. And so, God, we need to remember that, that we need to shout for joy all the earth, proclaim his gladness, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For our Lord is faithful. His love endures for all generations. God, thank you for that reminder today. Help us to find our grounding in that. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. I only have one other thing to say, I guess, at the beginning uh, that's kind of off the cuff. But uh, I think worship should go about 10 minutes longer, so you guys remember that. All right? So uh, just add a couple more, because I think we could use that. Amen? I mean, we could use a couple more. Um, hey, I, this summer, uh, during the quarantine, we had extra time, I guess, to do some things, uh, even though it was also super busy. Uh, I decided that I wanted to bring power to another building on our property. We have a, a garage out there, and, the, and we used to have power. The former owner uh, took the power off of the house and it went over there, but we, we did some digging uh, a couple years ago, and we didn't know that was there, and, and so we had a huge spark, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I haven't had power in this outbuilding for about three years, and so I thought this would be a perfect time to have power to the outbuilding. I got with Duke. The only way we were going to get there is to go down the entire side of our property and the entire back of our property. It's very rocky. There's a lot of roots there. I ended up using a trencher. It didn't work very well. I ended up using a backhoe, and that did work very well, even though it made our yard a mess, um, but we were able to get through it. But around the back of my property are, are some trees, some evergreen trees that look a lot like that. And in fact, they look exactly like that because that's them. But anyway, so... <laughs> As I cut around the back of the, uh, the property, 
And I went through that section. I realized it was difficult to get to the roots of those trees. But here's what was surprising. The roots of those evergreen trees were not that deep. They were, a lot of them were right on the surface together. And I, I wondered to myself, how in the world do these trees stand when the roots are like they are? And then I realized something. The roots of those trees are intertwined together. What, what happens is they, they kind of gather up together. Their roots of those trees grab a hold of one another. So no matter what kind of wind comes off of that hillside, no matter what kind of storm hits those trees, they are holding firm because the roots of those trees are interlocked together. They need each other to survive. And friends, what I want to talk about today is the fact that we need each other. We are intertwined. We are called the body of Christ. When, when one is baptized into Christ, one is baptized into the body of Christ. And through him, we are bound together as a family of God. There is not a multitude of bodies of Christ. There is one body of Christ in locations all over the world. And we are bound together. We are united together through Christ. God has united us uh, together. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're in this series called The Renew Initiative. And, and really, we're talking about reconnecting because uh, over the last few months, we, of course, I think the enemy has used the two things that destroy more people than anything else, isolation and fear, isolation and fear. Uh, several, several weeks ago, one of the guys from church here wrote a message to me and Josh and and David, I think, and said, hey, I just need to apologize because I've, I've kind of allowed this entire thing that's been going on in our world to, to take me off course a bit. And, and I was really so caught up in fear that I, I wasn't even exercising my gifts. And I was so caught up in fear that I wasn't kind of doing the things that I needed to do. And, and my response to him was, I said, yeah, one of the things I've realized during this process is two of the greatest enemies of, of the devil are isolation. Let's keep each other apart. Let's keep them apart. And number two, let's make everyone so afraid. Let's make everyone so afraid. And so one of the things we're doing is we're trying to say, why don't we come back together? And why don't we find reconnection? And why can't we re find renewal in the midst of these challenging times? And I think one of the places we see this uh, connection, this idea for reconnecting in relationships is in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. But in this chapter, Paul talks about the critical nature of all of us being in this together. It was not easy to follow Jesus in the first century. We think it's hard today. In the first century, people were drugged out of places like this. They were persecuted. It's not easy to follow Jesus. This week, uh, Lisa and I went to dinner with a a little family from China, and they are so sweet. They, are, uh, they moved here from China to the United States. Uh, one of our missionary friends had really led them uh, to this place. They were very uh, involved with Christ in China, and she doesn't, Sharon doesn't speak much English at all. She provided us some wonderful Chinese food. Uh, her son Elliot does speak uh, quite a lot of English, and we had a great dialogue. But while we were there, I was asking them a lot of questions about Christianity in China. And, I, and they said that in China, you have to come together. You can't really even come together house to house because all the neighborhoods are gated and the police will realize that you're gathering as a church. And so what they might do is they'll take a business 
and the business that's not open on the weekend, they'll meet together and they'll come together and they'll be worshiping together in that place. And the police will come by. And I said, do you all sing? Or is it totally quiet? They said, yes, we sing. The police might come by and they say, what is going on in here? They say, oh, it must be a music school. It's a music school. And they're trying to help them understand uh, that, boy, there's, there's not church here. Because if it is, then they won't be allowed to have church together. They won't be allowed to worship. I said, well, what happens if a pastor is found out to have worship and they're not supposed to? They said, uh, he will, not only will he face a heavy fine, Oftentimes, he'll be imprisoned. It's not easy to follow Jesus. It's not easy to follow Jesus in China. It's not easy to follow Jesus in the first century. There was persecution. They, were, uh, they, they suffered for the cause of Christ. Uh, people were beaten and accused and jailed. It was not easy to follow Jesus in the first century. And friends, it's not that easy to follow Jesus today in our world either. In our world, we find materialism and failure and apathy. We find unanswered questions. We face so many obstacles in our world today. And that's why it's so important that we come together and say that we are going to be the people of God in our generation. Regardless of persecution, regardless of struggle or challenge, we are coming together to proclaim that Christ is Lord. And so Ephesians chapter 4 starts with these words. As prisoners for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And that's really the goal. Paul says, now that you are on the team, now that you're a prisoner of Christ, now that you have said no to the things of the world, you've said yes to Christ, now that you are a prisoner of His, and yes, it's hard, and yes, it's difficult, and yes, you might be in prison, but. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You're, live the life. Be faithful to God. Stay in the, the game. But Jesus says, I want you to live the life, but I'm not going to leave you alone to live the life. I want you to live with other people in community. In his book, The Connecting Church, author Randy Frazee says, the experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be filled by the church. The writings of Scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church not to be one more bolt on the wheel of activity in our lives, but to be at the very hub, the center of one's life. Paul writes it this way, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. The Axis Church puts us this way, we want to revolve the world around Jesus one life at a time. The idea is the same, live a life worthy of the calling. Stay in there no matter how difficult it becomes. Now, what is the calling and how do we stay in there? Well, friends, in Christ, there is a call to unity. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Here's the instruction from Paul. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. In Christ, we are one. Look how many times it says here, one. One spirit, one body, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We are one. We are together. We are literally fulfilling 
the, the prayer of Jesus prior to his death found in John uh, 17. It's often called Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's, it goes like this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world might believe that you have sent me. Friends, that says Jesus' prayer was we are one body. We are all together. We are one team. The heart of the gospel is the fundamental truth that in Jesus Christ we are all one. All barriers are down. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. God has called us to enjoy teamwork together, unity together, relationship together, to find renewal as we reconnect uh, with each other. And that's where some people believe, I think God might have made a mistake here. You see, even the most uh, saintly saints have blind spots and rough edges and are sometimes difficult. We are all people in process. Even when our heart's in the right place, we don't always do the right thing or say the right thing. And that is why we got to be patient and understanding and compassionate and humble with one another because we are all going to make mistakes. As one poet put it, to live above with the saints we love, oh Lord, that'll be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. And all of us have faced that, right? Those times where there's irritation or frustration, unity never comes easily or accidentally. We always have to work at it. And we always have to work at building bridges. If you are part of a family, you know, you know about this. Uh, you've, you've heard, you can mess, you can, you can mess with me, uh, you can say things about me if you want to, and I can say things about my siblings if I want to, but don't you say things about my siblings or it's on, right? You ever heard that? And, and Jonathan and I would have our little fights and things like this together, but boy, if somebody else came against us back then in those days and even today, we want to be supportive of one another. You fight one another, but then you realize, hey, we have a greater enemy. We have a greater cause together. In the book, Great Church Fight, the author tells about two porcupines in the freezing north country of Canada who tried to huddle together to keep warm. But because they were stabbing each other with the quills, they moved apart. And finally, after shivering alone for a while, they realized that they had to live side to side in order to survive. They needed each other, even though they needled each other. And that's why unity is so important. We are together, one body, one people, one group. And friends, we live in a culture today that likes to point out every way that we are different. Here are all the ways that you're different, and let's expose those differences. In Christ, we lay aside our differences and say, we are one together. Christ is the head. We are under one banner. Christ is the Lord. And our purpose together is to do as the Apostle Paul says, that we follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and one mouth, we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by bringing other people to Him. We are together on mission with each other. We want to see the world come to know Christ. So in Christ, we are called to unity. But in Christ, we are also called to ministry. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. 
What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who has descended is, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In Christ we have unity, but in Christ we also have a ministry. The community of faith that we are a part of allows us to fulfill our ministry, to fulfill our role. And when you read the first part of this verse, it's kind of confusing. You say, what is he talking about? Each one of us has been given grace. He's not just talking about grace for salvation. He's talking about, he's, he's giving you grace to have gifts to use in ministry. It's very similar to Romans chapter 12, verse 6, where it says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. It's a very similar very similar word. It's a very similar meaning. What he's saying is God knows best and he has given you a, a, a ministry gift. He has allowed you to be able to be used uh, in, in his kingdom. When you become a Christian, uh, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you, leads you, corrects you, comforts you, encourages you, inspires you. The Holy Spirit has a role. But not only that, you're given not only the Holy Spirit, you're given a spiritual gift. And some of you are given more than one spiritual gift. You have the gift of administration or the gift of hospitality or the gift of service or the gift of giving or the gift of mercy giving. There are all kinds of gifts. And if you ever want to read those, read Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a whole list of them. It's not exhaustive. But these are two lists that tell us here's some gifts that God gave. And they're all gifts that can be used both within the church body itself here as well as in your community groups, as well as in the neighborhood. And, and the Bible here says Jesus gave those gifts according to his wisdom. Now, why, why does he say that? He says, well, because we know Jesus, he's the one with authority. He's the one who ascended. He's the one who descended. He's the one who died for us. And so he has the ability to decide who gets what. Those of you who are parents, you understand this. Now, at Christmas time, we always try to work out a list. We say, well, here's what everybody gets, and how many did they get? We want to make sure they don't get it more. We don't want kids to be jealous of who got that and who got this. I'll never forget the Christmas uh, back in the 19, uh, back in the 19, late, late 1970s. And uh, it was Christmas time, and, and Jonathan opened a package. I may have told you this before. He opened a package. He got some jeans. Now, back in those days, you know the jeans that were in when I was a kid? Levi jeans. That was the jeans you needed to get. A little bit later, it was guest jeans, but it was Levi jeans back then. Jonathan opened a package of nice, beautiful Levi jeans. And I thought, well, that's great. Shake my package. I know what's coming. Amen. All right. I opened it up. You know what was in there? Tough skins. I got some tough skins, and he got Levi's. And I thought, well, that's not, that's not right. You know, that's not the way the Lord intended it. If he gets Levi's, I should get Levi's. And what I didn't realize until much later is maybe my mom knew I needed some tough skins. Maybe there's something that she knows that I didn't know. Maybe I would wear out the knees of my Levi's faster. I don't know. Maybe I needed tough skins. And mom, as the authority in our family, had the ability to decide, according to her good graces, who would be given what gift. And that's the way it is here as well. Christ gets to decide. 
Some of you have a wonderful gift of hospitality. You are so welcoming and wonderful in your home, and you open your home to others, and it just feels great. Some of us don't have that gift. Some of us have the gift of administration, and you're detailed, and you can plan things out, and things are so organized, you have that gift. Some of you have the gift of leadership. Some of you have the gift of generosity, and you love just giving to other people. Some of you have the gift of service. And one of the challenges is that when you want to be like somebody else, we see their gift and say, I want the gift of teaching, or I want the gift of something that's more public. Jesus, according to his good grace, gave you what he thought you needed. And so we shouldn't imitate others. You know, uh, 16 years ago, there were 34 Elvis impersonators. You guys know that? Right now, today, there are 8,037 Elvis impersonators. At the current rate of increase, by the year 2037, one out of every five of us will be an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> Each of you have been given a gift. Don't, don't try to be somebody else. Use your gift. Verse 12 says that we've all been given the gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the body of Christ may be built up. That's why we do what we do. So that we come together in unity, serving in ministry in our community groups, in our homes, maybe teaching children, maybe leading in some capacity, maybe serving in some way. We all come together loving our community. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. So that more and more people might know who Christ is. So you are part of this body for unity. You're part of it for ministry, but you're also part of it for maturity. Verse 13 says, we do this until we are all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The community of faith is critical for your maturity and my maturity in Christ. Ephesians 3.10 says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. That's why it is so important in the midst of a culture that is largely without Christ, that we continue to have our kids here, to be taught by people right now about what Christ is all about. That's why it's important for you to understand the Scripture so that you can teach your own children about God's manifold wisdom for them, about what does it mean to actually know Christ. And so you're learning, they're learning, so that we might become mature. God wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. He wants to help us become more mature. That's why it's so important that our students are part of uh, the student community here. Because where are they going to get that teaching? They get it here and they get it at home. Those are the only two places they're going to get it. They're going to get it here, they're going to get it at home. So continue to bring your students to student community. So they're learning the Word of God. They're understanding what godly principles are all about. 75% of students who are age 18 to 24 will leave the Christian faith when they go through that period of time. Our job as parents is to become, help them become so grounded so that when they reach that critical age where they're making decisions about their life, that they stay grounded in the Word of God, they stay grounded in the faith. That's our goal. Hebrews chapter 3 says it this way, exhort one another or encourage one another so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We want our students to be faithful to God. We want our adults to be faithful to God. We want us to be, become mature in Christ. And again, that's one of the reasons that we come together in our community groups, our core groups, 
So we study the Word of God. We learn together. We're growing with one another. We're all for maturity. That's one of the reasons we're here. Because we need each other. We need to learn and to grow and understand. And every time the Scripture is open, we learn something more about who God is and about what it means in our life to be a Christ follower. Maturity. And we also are given stability. Look at verse 14. Therefore, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Notice, we support one another. We're no longer infants tossed back and forth by every wave of cunning. We are anchored. We are solid. We are secure. We are supporting ligaments, growing together, intertwining together, so that we have stability, so that when the hardships of life come, and they will come, we're able to stand the test because we are in it together. Every single person in here is facing trials and hardships. A lot of what we've had to do during the time of the quarantine and the uh, COVID-19 is, is to encourage people through this time. We've had people lose a job. We've had people who feared <coughs> the illness. We've had people that have been isolated. And so we're walking with people through those times <coughs> because it's challenging. It's challenging. But one of the things that's been happening is relationships continue to be built. People are finding creative ways to reconnect with one another. And in that, we are finding our strength. Because we are one, stable, unified together. In Psalm chapter 61, verse 2, David cries out to the Lord and says, I call to you as my heart grows faint. Overwhelmed by the trials and heartaches and burdens of his life, he called out to God. And then in verse 5, it says, He rejoiced because God answered his plea. Listen to what he says. You have given to me, God, the heritage of those who fear your name. God was strengthening him through other people who had followed God. And friends, we all need that. I need that. One of the greatest, most richest experiences of my life has just been the community of faith that God has surrounded me with. Just people that love me, encourage me, help me, support me, keep me together. And I want to challenge you, if you are not in a community group, or you're not in a core group, or, or maybe you're not in the, the habit of coming to church regularly, continue to get involved. Through other Christians, we sense and know God's love. We know God's care. It helps to offer us encouragement. We sharpen one another, as the Bible says, as one man sharpens another, as one iron sharpens another, so one man sharpens another. Author Gary Berg one time said, when God's love feels distant or non-existent, the body of Christ's love is real and tangible. That's why we cannot afford to stand alone. We need each other. My mom, uh, in her 80s now, 82, she's almost 90, you know. She keeps saying, every time she hits a new decade, she says, well, I'm almost I'm almost 80, she used to say, and she was like 72. Now she's 82, and she's like, well, I'm nearly 90, you know, and uh, she's coming right up on it. But she's living out the mission of Christ. 
several months ago at the Middletown campus where she attends church. She realized there was a group of, of women that were over 60 that needed community with one another. She didn't know exactly what that looked like. She just knew that God had mentioned to her that she needed to do this. And so she put in the bulletin on the Middletown campus, they still have a weekly bulletin, and they, she said, all women over 60 are invited to my house for fellowship. All right. So that was going to happen. She had all these little nice little dainty uh, things to eat and all this, wonderful treats. And, they, uh, and the first two women who came in knocked on her door. Number one, she didn't know them. And number two, they came in and said, hi, we're here for Bible study. And my mom went, hmm, I thought this was just fellowship and treats, you know. And she said, well, come on in. And so she thought, well, maybe God had a different plan for this thing than what I planned. And so not long ago, just three weeks ago, at our community group leader training, my mom was there telling this story. And it started to grow. And sure enough, a group of about 10 women are now coming together. They stopped for just a little while during the quarantine. Here are all these women over 60. She said, we tried it in April. We got on the porch. She, had, she bought a karaoke thing off of Amazon. She was trying to use the microphone to talk to all these ladies on her porch and social distance. She said, but it was too cold, and we're all over 60. So it's not going to happen. And they tried Zoom, but that didn't work for them either. But as soon as they were able to get back together, they started to come back together. She said, and we studied, she said, we're learning, we're going through elementary discipleship. I was like, well, that's convenient. You know, that's nice. She used my book. That's helpful, you know, when your mom supports you. And so they're going through it and they're studying together. And then she's adding to that study by writing other things so that they might be able to study. And she said, and they do get homework. And so they all do this homework together. She said, we also have two ladies in the nursing home. One of our ladies that had a stroke, she's now in the nursing home and has been there for months during the quarantine. She can't leave. And then another lady that they came into contact with, she's in the nursing home too. And she said, they have to do their homework too out there in the nursing home. And one day she told me, Stephen, I'm kind of upset by this because our group doesn't really have a project. I know all of our community groups are supposed to have some group that they are serving. I said, Mom, your group is your project. Oh my gosh, you've got 10 ladies, two, and then two more in the nursing home. Pretty soon you're going to have the whole nursing home, you know? And, and they're learning together. They're growing together. She said, it amazes me how little these, these ladies over 60, they just don't know the Word of God. And so we're studying the Word of God. We're learning together. We're praying together. We're learning. We're, we're learning about Christ. We're telling other people. She said, we have... We have ladies that are Catholic or the Church of God or Presbyterian or Methodist or they don't have any faith background at all and they're just coming together to learn the Word of God. Stability. Because in the midst of this world, we all need a foundation. And we in our generation must be committed to finding ways to say, how do we help our next generation, our children, our, our students be grounded to have a foundation. How do we do that ourselves? We do that in community with one another. Now, what is our system for that as a church? So just very quickly, application, what is our system for that? We have a system, the backbone of Access Church is not what happens here on the weekend. It is what happens in your homes during the week. We have bigger groups called community groups. We call these medium-sized groups. We try not to call them small groups. If you've been in churches, we're calling them small groups because small groups is identified by one key word. What is that word? Small. 
We try not to do that. We try to say, well, why don't we make the medium? And that way it's more like Thanksgiving. There's some idea of like there's just this social kind of interaction that happens in medium-sized groups. And so we want you to, to have a group that has a lot of fun together. Well, during the quarantine, we took a kind of a pause from that because not only do we have community groups, inside of a community group are little what we call core groups where men will meet with men and women will meet with women and they will do deeper accountability and discipleship type study with one another where they're now not just fellowshipping together or studying uh, something as a larger group or maybe serving the community as a larger group. They're meeting together in these smaller groups for accountability and they're meeting together in those core groups to make sure that they're keeping each other on track. Well, here's our plan for the fall. For right now, because of the quarantine and everything that's happened, and because there are some that are still very concerned about those things, we want to be as respectful as we can to that. If your community group wants to continue to meet, that's great. If you work it out and you all are okay with it, and everybody worked it out with their kids and everybody feels comfortable, that's fine. But we are emphasizing core groups, that there will be groups of men and groups of women that are meeting together, that are learning together. Some of you are already in a core group. That's great. Encourage that, and we want to see that continue. If you're not in a core group, we want you to go on the church app, and under the section called Community Life, there is just a tab there. You can click on that, and it says Community Group or Core Group uh, Registration or Core Group Interest. And all you got to do is click on that, put in your name, and uh, someone will follow up with you. So we're going to really lean into and leverage that. And some of you may feel like, you know what, for a period of time, I'd love to lead one of those. Let us know about that too in there. Why? Because we need each other. And some of you are saying, I don't know if I can do it. And I'm just saying to you, if, if a lady who is 82 during a quarantine can figure out a way to get a karaoke machine on her front porch with a group of women over 60 and two women in the nursing home, you can figure it out as well. In Christ, we are one. Unity. In Christ, we have a ministry. We have the ability to serve one another and to serve this community together. In Christ, we find maturity. That's how we grow. When we're in community with each other, we're growing together. And in Christ, we find stability so that when the hardships of life come or the good things of life come, we have a group of people we can celebrate with and cheerlead each other with. We can encourage each other. We can stay in this together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Is not this text, but it says this. You are no longer foreigners and aliens. In other words, now that you are in Christ, now that you are in the community of faith, you are no longer for, foreigners and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you are members of God's household. And that is where we find unity and ministry and maturity and stability. So let's renew as we reconnect. God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the scripture that teaches us and encourages us. God, I pray that uh, if, if, if there are people who feel isolated, God, that they would reach out. They're, they're, they've allowed all of what has happened to really isolate them, to push them on the edges of, and on the outskirts. But God, I pray that we would reconnect. God, I, I'm, there are people right now in our our church, and we've seen this happen so many times. It begins as kind of a slow fade. They fade from relationship. They fade from ministry. They begin to not attend. And then one day, 
they stop not only coming all together, but they stop practicing their faith altogether. They're like the piece of coal that's pulled out of the fire, and when they're isolated, they become cold. And God, I'm praying right now, within the life of Axis Church, that we would renew and reconnect. We'd, we'd, we'd reconnect to that, to that fire. God, we'd reconnect to one another. We would find unity and community with each other. We would get involved in ministry. We would serve each other. We would begin to grow once again, and we would find stability. We'd realize that we're not alone on this journey. And so, God, I pray for that today. And we worship you now. As a community of faith, we lift one voice and one heart to say that our God is great. And we serve him, and we love you, God.